Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What is up, podcast fam? Happy Monday. Hope you all had an amazing weekend. Today, my guest is Tara Youngblood, the fearless female co-founder and chief scientist behind Cryo. For those of you that don't know Cryo, they are the inventors of the chili pad a temperature regulation sleep system that helps thousands of customers improve their sleep. You know, this system essentially can regulate the temperature inside your bed. It's an amazing, amazing product, incredible technology, and they're helping thousands and thousands of people improve their life by improving their sleep. They were recently selected as one of the fastest growing companies in the U.S., selected number 615 on the Inc. 5000 list. So, Congrats to them. It truly is impressive. Before I jump into it, I do have a coupon code for all you listeners. You can use the code BOG25 for 25% off a chili pad and BOG15 for 15% off the Uller. Once again, BOG25 for 25% off the chili pad and BOG15 for 15% off the Uller. Before we jump into it, please take a moment, share this episode with a friend, subscribe to Bits of Gold, and tag us on your Instagram story if you found this episode valuable. With that being said, enjoy this episode with the one and only Tara Youngblood. Tara, thanks so much for coming on the show today. So excited to have you on. Great. Thank you for having me. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So recently was browsing, I think, LinkedIn and came across your profile and very familiar with your brand from I have like I think my my first boss ever told me about your brand. So I've heard about you guys for some time and um I read recently you guys were announced as one of the fastest growing companies in in the US, right? Yes, we're 615, which I think is a good round number. I kind of like 615, but I wish it was a little higher up on the list, but we're working on it next year. Wow, that's that's amazing. Who was who made the list? So Inc. 5000 makes the list, um, and then you actually have to hand in all of your financials, and they it's kind of a, a long process. They start in January, I think, and then they compile it all and then calculate your growth rate. So our growth rate was 761% over the last three years. Wow, that's crazy. So I want to, I want to take it back to sort of the beginning of you know, your, your career, and just for context, you know, there were a few things of why I wanted to really have you on the show today. I know before I had sent you some information about what inspired me to start the show, a little bit about my background. I've been a serial entrepreneur since 14 years old. I started my first business when I was in high school, grew it from 2009 to 2015, subsequently sold it to my largest customer. And um, since then, I've continued to build businesses. And for me, business has always been a way of to explore general curiosity, solve problems, and do things that really truly excite me. When I was 20, I lost my dad to a rare cancer. When I was 25, I lost my mom to a rarer cancer. And 
through that experience, it really opened up my eyes and made me recognize that our time on earth is limited. And it really made me ask myself uh, a question that I continually ask myself every single day, which is knowing I too am going to die one day, how do I want to spend my limited time on earth? And that's really what sparked me to start the show, to find amazing people doing amazing things in their life. You know, I feel our consciously living out their dream life. And I really wanted to have you on the show because I felt you were doing just that in both in and outside of your business. And I love how, you know, your business is focused around helping people get a better night's sleep. I know I read a quote from you that, you know, said you don't need more sleep, you need better sleep. And I really think sleep is so important to living a high quality, a high functioning life and love how your business is tackling that problem and, you know, helping people live a better life. That's great. Yeah. I, you know, it is really hard with loss. We lost our youngest child at one point. And, you know, when you, when you have a loss like that, that isn't expected, I think about it as, as a bubble bursting. We have this pretty idea of what life should look like. And when it doesn't happen that way, our mental health really is a big impact on that. And certainly sleep because of that for me was a really big part of that. And that's a big part of why I researched sleep so much was how to get it back despite grief and depression and, and all those things. And so I, I do feel like whether it's divorce, whether it's in your case, a, a very horrible set of losses, it isn't the picket fence life that we all expect, but I, I do feel like it does put you in a different spot to appreciate this life journey that we're on. And I do feel like that's a big driver for me of of having the best life you can live because you don't know. There is no guarantees of of what tomorrow is going to bring. And life you can live when you don't have regrets, when you don't say, well, I really wish I did this. For the most part, I work really hard to not have, I really wish I had done this differently moments. And so, mm. you know, uh, investing in, in every day to be amazing and enjoy the journey because the destination, we're all going to end up in the same place. Just we don't know when we're going to get there. Mm, I love that. So you had mentioned you you lost your, your youngest child. Mm -hmm. Are you open to talking about that at all? Yes. Yeah. It's um, I actually talk about it in my TED talk. For me, it was, it was definitely, you know, I think similar to you of obviously something like that forever changes your life. It changes your outlook. It changes how you work through things. For me, it put me in a, a horrible spiral of depression and, and grief. And over that year, I got almost no sleep. And so for me, sleep was was the way that I could figure out a way to try to heal. I could try to find a way to sort of put some normalcy back. So sleep was something that went totally away. And so how could I get back to a normal life, especially selling sleep products? It felt very hypocritical to sell something and I wasn't sleeping right. Mm. Are you willing to share a little bit more around, you know, your child? I, we have a lot of people who've come on who talked quite a bit around grief. I'm just obviously, if you're comfortable, would love to hear a little bit more. Yeah. So he passed away in 2008. He was six months old and it was very sudden. He got bacterial meningitis. So literally one day he was healthy. And then the next day we took him to the doctor and they're like, no, it's just a viral infection. And he kept getting worse and then started having seizures by the time they figured out what it was, it was it was too late. But it did happen so rapidly that we made the choice for him to be an organ donor, which is always a hard choice for people to make. But for us, you know, Benjamin's heart still beats and a lot of his organs 
still live on in other people. And there's mm. at least two little girls that are still alive today that would not have been without that. And so we think about it uh, as a family. I think as part of our working through that process. But, you know, if he had lived to be 35 and was a firefighter and saved two people's lives, he would be a hero. And our little guy just did it in six months. And uh, that's what he was able to do as his legacy. Wow, that's that's amazing. Well, I appreciate you uh, opening up and sharing. I know it, it can be, uh, you know, really, really hard to talk about the hardest things that happen in our life. It is, it is. But I, I do feel like, and you know, as you as time is one of those parts of the healing process, you get better about having those conversations. But I think that, you know, mental health and what we all go through doesn't get talked about enough. And I feel like, you know, as each person embarks on a journey and as they hit these bumps in the road, it is helpful. It was helpful for me to know about other people that had lost children and were kind of going through the same thing. And so I do feel like it's important to share so that the other people going through similar things have have a basis to say, yes, I can I can find a path through this. Yeah, absolutely. I can completely resonate with that. You know, in addition to sharing these inspiring stories, really what I hope this platform continues to do is serve as a beacon of hope for many, not just, you know, facing adversity, but also obviously to go on to help people build their dream life, which is really important to me that despite the hardship that, you know, we endure, the curveballs that life throws at us, I really feel like it's it's our duty, you know, while we're on this earth to go on and build our incredible life. So yeah, you know, it's amazing and inspiring to have people like you come on the show and share their stories, open up so honestly, because it it certainly inspires many and helps people know that, you know, they were going through similar situations, you know, or their own tragic situations, know that they too can move forward. I do. I, you know, I feel like it's, you know, I can look at it now as this unique experience is a gift. You know, when we, we do a lot of work with veterans who have lots of mental health issues, sleep is attached to every um, single mental health illness. So, you know, that's one of the passions. And, and even though I don't have PTSD per se, that sort of empathy to have had and, and continue to live through mental health and, and how to embrace those days that are better than and the days that are worse. And how do you navigate those? The empathy that it gives you towards other people that have their own paths and have had their own tragedy or their own PTSD they're working through, that makes a big difference. There's been a lot of moments where pretty big, you know, Navy SEAL guys, British Special Forces will break down and, and share their stories because I think they feel like, okay, this person can hear me. Mm. Yeah, there's absolutely, um, you know, you you get it, right? You've experienced it. And for anyone who's experienced significant loss, you know, I'm really involved in an organization, Experience Camps, which is a free one-week camp for kids ages 9 to 16 that have lost a loved one. One of the most amazing things I feel every summer when I go to this camp is that no matter if I talk to a kid who's 9 years old or a kid that's 10 years old or a kid that's 20, uh, 18 years old, we all get it. You know, We all know what it's, what it's mm-hmm. like to have experienced the loss of uh, significant loss in our life. Yeah, it's the worst club you ever become a part of, I think, but... There is sort of a, an immediate understanding. Yeah. So how how do you um? It sounds like sleep was a big part of moving moving forward. But how else did you navigate? You know, 
maybe continue to navigate that grief journey more in the immediate after the loss? Yeah. So, you know, the hard part about being a business owner um, versus even just some other employer is you, you don't get two weeks off to say, <laughs> okay, I'd really like to just stay home and, and, and grieve and figure this out. The business still needs you to show up the next day and continue to show up. And the other children, the three other boys, I still needed to show up for them every day. And so I feel like the routine was a big part of like, okay, I just need to keep putting one foot in front of the other until I could stand better. I always draw a lot of inspiration from my grandmother. So she was born and raised in Germany, met my grandfather before World War II. He was from South Africa, but right at the start of the war, they moved back to South Africa And so she was alone in a country at war with her country, only speaking German on a plantation in the African bush by herself. And she ended up being pregnant with my dad. So she was raising a small boy by herself in this weird foreign country that was very different than Germany. And every time I would start to say that, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to get through this day. I think about the story she would tell of like, you know, trying to scare off a herd of lions or you know, my dad would be curious about a snake and the snakes there are not worth messing with. And so, you know, she had, <laughs> she had, she had daily things that she had to try to fight against. And, you know, her, her life there in its own way was a daily experience against survival. You know, it, was, it really was. And I wasn't, I still had a good house to go home to. I still had three other children and a husband and I, I still had a lot of things to be grateful for. Mm, I love that. Yeah, it's it's funny when when you think back to um, you know, some some of our grandparents and what they had to endure to, you know, immigrate and to just survive. It's like the times were so different. They needed so much more maybe resiliency. I don't know if that's necessarily the right word, but the stories are absolutely uh, incredible. It is. It is. You know, and I think even our boys as they've gone through this COVID thing and it is. It's like you're being asked to stay home. That's your, that's your ask for your generation, you know, and it's, it's tough and it's not, it's not awesome, but you have TV to watch and you have social media where you can still connect with friends and text to friends. This isn't a war where people are being taken away and, and done horrible things to, or, you know, people aren't coming back without limbs or not coming back at all from a war. This generation, it is, it's, it, COVID is a tough thing to get through compared to the tests that previous generations have been tested with. This one seems easier in a lot of ways. Mm, absolutely. You know, while you're grieving, you have your you have your business already, right? So I guess I want to talk a little bit about your business. So you have a very entrepreneurial background. And I'm sure, you know, we might get back into grief, etc. in a little bit, but let's go backwards to your business. So Maybe just to kick off, for those that are tuning in, you could share a little bit about what your business is today. Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually want to go even further back to your first business and start there. Yeah. So yeah, Todd and I are both very entrepreneurial. We've each done our our own things. I probably, and it sounds way too young to be taking care of other kids, but I started an after-school program when I was really little. It was a small town. And back then, even though I was in fifth grade, I was allowed to take care of other kids after school. So I had a group of kids that I would look after after school and make sure they played games on the playground and then fed them at one of the parents' houses. And then the other parents would collect them afterwards. So that was probably my first one. Todd started doing landscaping business in high school and continued that throughout college on breaks. So we've, we both started really young on trying to figure out like how to do our own thing. I think I've done 
almost every kind of business. I've done sort of running errands for people, done catering for a short little bit, ran my own catering thing, did photography for a little bit, <laughs> so did all sorts of different things. But Todd and I sort of both did also corporate gig stuff, but corporate stuff was moving us every couple of years to, to keep going up the corporate ladder. So in 2000, I actually wanted to stay home with the kids more. So we started our first consulting business because I could do that in and around. And we worked with Asian companies, which means their day starts when the kids were already in bed. So pretty easy way to kind of manage that being able to be a mom during the day and be a business owner at night. And so we did consulting and design products. And over the years with that business, it's still alive today. We still do consulting, but we've brought hundred different products. I don't know what the latest count is well over that to market over the years in almost every major retailer. We've had a relationship over the years. So mm. kind of did that. And the current business that is sort of the sort of bigger showpiece at the moment is really about chili sleep. It's officially called Cryo. So if you're looking at the ink list, it's called Cryo. That's the holding company. But chili sleep is all about temperature and sleep. And so again, for us as entrepreneurs, it looked like a good market niche. It was right at the peak of Tempur-Pedic and Select Comfort, everyone talking about pressure. At the same time, microclimate control and cars came out, so a driver and a passenger could adjust their own dials. And Todd and I both wanted to do that in bed because we weren't at the same sleeping temperature. So we're like, well, if you can do it in a car... Who is, right? <laughs> yeah, then I want to do it in my bed at night. So really, we took that very similar technology of TEC, cooling and heating, because it's quieter than a compressor. And we put it into a bed. And that was really the start of, of Chile. But Todd's uncle invented the water bed. So we've we flirted with water and cooling in bed for a long time. He invented the water bed. Yes. Charles P. Hall. It was his wow. master's thesis from the University of San Francisco. In Very the neat. Groovy, groovy hippie era. <laughs> so you obviously have a very entrepreneurial background. You've tried a lot of different things. What What made you want to take that path versus... I know you had mentioned you had a job as well, but what made you want to take that path over? Like what made you want to go down this path of trying so many different things as opposed to just like, oh, I'm going to go get a job? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's one of those corporate world. And honestly, one of the things we've tried to change even within our own company, but, you know, we would make big differences in our company. Todd, Todd probably was most impactful where, you know, it's, he started a whole airbed category for his company and took it from nothing to 25 million. and then. The company decided their numbers weren't good, so they didn't pay him his bonus. They didn't sort of reward him for that creativity or that growth. You know, there was tens of thousands of excuses why not to pay people's bonuses or or not really get that reward. So I'm like, well, if we can do that for other people, let's do that for us. Let's let's grow that and and have that freedom. We still enjoy the freedom, you know, especially with virtual school. My kids right now are in the conference room outside and you know, we're running this new virtual school world from inside our company because we can, because we have that freedom. We've taken them all over the world with us when we've gone to different conferences or needed to connect. So they've all been to China and Australia and, and Africa and Europe. They've gotten to go with us to really every every continent besides Antarctica. There's no business really in Antarctica. <laughs> I can't justify that one. But we will have to set a satellite office up there. <laughs> you know, I have, we have a lot of listeners in their 20s, 30s, even 40s who let's say are looking for, they're looking to sort of level up. You know, they want, they know they want more in their life, but 
maybe they're at a job that they just don't love or they have an idea that they're tinkering with, but they don't they don't have the, you know, maybe the the guts to take that jump or take that leap. What would you say? Like, what would be your advice or what enabled you to do that? Obviously, you know, if you're even if you're at a company and you're producing great results, but you're not getting, let's just say, like the bonus, you don't feel like you're being compensated. You still obviously in a way the pros and cons, you're leaving the safety net. So what gave you guys the guts to take that leap? You know, I love, I love how you're like, you know, we could do that for ourselves. So we could do it for a company. I love that mentality, but what enables you to have that mindset? So I, you know, I have that conversation with people all the time of, I feel comfortable in my corporate, you know, envelope that makes you feel safe. But, you know, I think if you look at layoffs, if you look at those big corporations and even just in COVID, you know, we got a bunch of software engineers recently, not to name names, but it was a parking app company. And you think, okay, parking has got to be something that will never go away. It's amazing. It's a really stable industry, except for when no one goes to work and they all don't go to the city anymore and no one has to pay to park. And so, you know, whatever we think is stable, isn't necessarily as stable as we think it is. And so the leap of faith is instead of having my faith in somebody else and someone else's decisions, your faith then lies in you. And intrinsically as an owner, you're saying, I have enough faith in myself to overcome whatever obstacles face me and make it, make it through. And so it is harder because you're going to have to trust yourself. You're going to have to trust your gut. You're going to have to, you know, figure out what risks you're able to manage and the ones that you're not able to manage. But at the end of the day, your faith is not in some big corporation. It's not in some other leader that you're hoping is going to make good decisions because they don't always make good decisions and you'll be Mm. stuck with the results. And so this way (laughs) you're stuck with the results, but they're your decisions and it's your outcome and you get to reap the benefits of those decisions as well. Yeah. I do think that a lot of people have a false sense of security. You know, you bring up a great point with COVID. A lot of people feel they have all the security and then you see obviously the, the crazy 2020 that we've had so far um, and people getting let go left and right. And you see that that job that you thought was so safe and secure isn't really so stable after all. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It's, you know, and, and at the end of the day, and maybe it does throw back to our ancestors a little bit, but you had to rely on yourself. You know, they were much more likely as a farmer to really be a business owner. You know, we didn't, we don't think of farmers that way, but they run, really run a business. You know, there's whoever you are, whatever you're good at. I do feel like there's a, there is a business that can be designed and, and created to serve you and allow you to make those choices and you to reap those benefits. Mm, I love that. And I'm sure you get this a lot. I'm sure you have a lot of entrepreneurs or people who want to start a business reach out to you. And I'm sure they say, you know, I have this idea I'm tinkering with, but I just, I just can't start it yet. Or like, do you think it's a muscle that you can develop or it's like self-talk that you can work on? Or how do you get more people to take that leap to realize that, you know, like leave behind that safety net and take that jump and take the leap of faith and see what you can go and make happen. Yeah. So I do spend probably way more time talking people off of it. Uh, (laughs) And the reason is I do feel like that's one of the hard parts about being an entrepreneur is you have to be able to accept that risk. You have to be able to stare in the face of, you know, a COVID or 2008, you know, there was definitely a recession that hit a lot of people that felt like they were bulletproof. As a business owner, you have to be able to solve problems and and survive. You have to be in that mode. And so usually what what makes that difference is, you know, to look yourself in, in the mirror and say, 
if I have to work weekends to make this happen, if I have to, you know, pull up my boot and really do this, am I prepared for that? And if you are, that is that is the jumping off point. That is the moment of like, do I think I can solve the problems ahead of me? Because there's a whole bunch you don't know about. Mm-hmm. And there's a, you know, a whole lot out there. But I also feel like if you're ready, just go, you know, basically what ends up becoming that friction that says, I'm not sure I'm ready. I'm not sure. That is a lot of, you know, self-talk. It is a lot of sort of that confidence to say, yeah, I really can solve those problems. And if you're doing them for someone else, you sure as heck should be able to do them for you. Mm. Yeah. You know, take the leap. I fully agree with you. Not everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur. I don't encourage everyone to go out and build their own business. But, you know, for those that want to put in the work and want to put in the the grind, sweat, tears, the sacrifice in terms of the the time commitment, etc. It's so worth it. I think, you know, one thing I love about your background is that you've tried so many things. And I really encourage so many people in their 20s, even their 30s. I, I think the 20s, personally, just my own perspective, like your 20s is such a great time to get a breadth of knowledge and go very wide and try many things and see what you like, see what you don't like. Because I think in college, it's quite difficult to figure out what it is you like and don't like. You can work a summer internship and try different things during the summer in small doses. But I really think your 20s are a great time to dabble, explore, and put on like your explorer cap and figure out the things that really make you come alive and the things that you know really make you feel like spiritually dead inside where you're like, I do not want to get out of bed and go to this job that's making me completely miserable. Yeah, I think there's a ton of opportunities, you know, my two oldest boys are kind of in that peak time. And I do feel like all those different things we experimented with, all of them at some point I go back to, I mean, I, I use photography when I'm hiring my studio or I'm standing there of like looking at it of like, oh, I'm really gra- grateful I had that experience. And so, and even, you know, I did an accounting job because uh, my background's in physics which intimidates a lot of people, it turns out, but I also have a math degree. So I would do accounting, although I hate accounting. I'm so grateful we have someone else in our company that does that now. I also really am grateful when I have to look at the numbers and I have to crunch through that, that I I did that job. And so, you know, there is part of sort of building that war chest of skills and jobs that you did so that you can pull them out when you need them. And as an entrepreneur, you'll need, you'll need them all, which is great. But I, I would also say that I don't think it matters how old you are. I recently saw a list of people that, you know, made it at 40 or later. And I feel like they almost need more accolades because they stuck with that dream. And so, Mm. you know, I feel like it's easy, really easy to say, okay, well, I've hit this, the 35, 40 range and I'm done. I, you know, it's that midlife, like, I guess I'll just accept that I'm never going to be the entrepreneur, but I don't think you need to accept at any age. And I think the important part is, are you ready to go? Because it's still possible. You know, Todd ran our company as CEO, really for the most of it, I took over in March because of the engineering background that I have as we're building software and tech. And so we we made that flip. And so for me, you could easily say, well, I'm done, not going to ever hit that dream of being a CEO. But then when our company really needed to switch to a whole different really almost methodology on on how we do everything. We had to switch to everything being remote, which honestly, frankly, was where we were headed anyway with COVID, but also with our software dev team. How do we manage that? How do we work through those employees? You know, Todd's experience is in sort of that operations of, of a typical manufacturing experience. 
And we're moving away from a typical manufacturing experience into apps and software and platforms because that's what the future holds. So our, we can't just have a dumb hardware product in the future. We have to have one that has an app that connects to people and answers way more of their problems than just a single hardware can. And so, you know, that's where your dream can happen anytime. It's just up to you to, to make it happen. Don't give up. Yeah. I love that so much. I'm curious if you if you resonate or would agree with this, disagree, but I find actually a lot of people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, I find that it's much more difficult or challenging for them to take that leap because as you just get older, you start to build a life, a family, you have more responsibility and people I feel have more pressure or put more pressure on themselves. I think of a close friend that is working a job that she's been doing for, I don't know, 15 years, went to school in that field, same job, and she wants to leave. She knows there's more out there for her, but she's like, you know, I just spent the last 15 years of my life dedicated to this vertical, this industry. Does it really make sense to to go and leave? And I'm like, you know, if you're not happy, if you're not lighting up on the inside, go and make that change. Yeah. So my answer to that is we spend the first 20 years of our lives, give or take, at home under the influence of our parents doing what our parents tell us to do. And that's not necessarily bad, but that's a quarter of our lives. And so if you spend 15 years doing one thing, that's less than the first 20 of your life. So you still have two quarters left. And if you're playing a football (laughs) game, the last two are the most exciting. And I would say even Beyond that, the last, last quarter is by far the most exciting. And that's where everyone pulls out their big plays. That's when everyone like makes it happen. So I would say, actually, you have your first quarter and maybe you have another quarter that you've already done. But if you have a quarter or two left, I'd make it happen. I, you can still win. You can still make that happen. Ah. I love it. You're you're uh, preaching to the choir over here. So with you and your business, so you have this like consulting sourcing company, and you're designing some products. In your experience, your journey, does the business just take off from the beginning? Take us through. <laughs> you're laughing on the other end. So you know, I'm sure you've had your fair share of hardship in building the business. I'd love to talk a little bit about some of the earlier days. And also, I guess how Chili comes about in the later years. Yeah, so I I would say I feel like we've done almost everything wrong now, knock on wood. (laughs) But, you know, I think that that's part of surviving through it and uh, and understanding, you know, what you learn from. So, you know, one of our early things, you know, we sold to Walmart and you assume that like that's the, the end all be all, except for they don't actually issue you purchase orders. They basically make predictions of what they're going to order and then they want to order every week. So you have to make to those predictions. And if you're making summer products and the summer doesn't happen till later because you have a rainy spring and they don't hit their numbers, they'll just cancel those. They just won't order them from you. And so you'll be left with a whole bunch of summer stuff and have to figure out what to do with that. So that was that was definitely one of those things. We also figured out quality control, certainly overseas. We spent a lot of time. I think Todd's Todd took the brunt of it with me staying back and sort of managing the business and the kids at home, but he's probably flown 2 million miles, I think, around the world in China, Um, even had an apartment there for a while because we were working through sort of new development. It was either just to stay there for chunks of time. We've all joked that he has a separate Chinese family, but it's really not true. (laughs) And so, you know, I think even in, you know, Chile when we first started, so sleep tech is really like a phenomenal area of 
just exploration and growth. So the first article or study that attached lack of sleep to a health outcome was in 1999. And we launched the Chili Pad after years of development in 2007. And we sold it into brick and mortar mattress stores. Well, at that point, no one was really talking about lack of sleep. They're talking about you know, a mattress, which is basically a couch for your bedroom. And so it is about comfort, but it's really not about changing your sleep or lack of sleep. No one's having those conversations in the mattress store. In general, the mattress store sort of distribution model is there's one dude or duet that sits in the mattress store and waits for one or two customers a day to come in. And as you can imagine, that's not a very motivated or often educated person that's going to walk you through that sale. So we, we sold brick and mortar for the first five no, really six years of our business. Then we tried to go online with an e-commerce and we're like, wow, you know, I think this is really a good place to go. So by 2016, we fired all of our dealers for the most part and went strictly online and learned this brand new business for us of e-commerce. And that's really where we started to have that explosive growth that I've talked about and the Inc. 5000 because it's we're able to connect I'd say the market is starting to catch up. People are actually talking about lack of sleep and sleep outcomes and how that affects your health. But it also means we're able to connect with people anywhere around the world. We sell to 70 different countries. And when you're in brick and mortar, it's just a much harder game to play to get to that kind of impact in the market. Mm. What would you say has been the biggest or the hardest struggle or the hardest lesson to, to eat? You know, like the biggest bullet you had to bite while you were building the business? There's a ton of them. I feel like one of the more recent ones was was in app development and how to build a platform and how to make a smart product. I think we did everything wrong on that. And it probably rivals that Walmart experience for just that biggest loss that we've had of just, okay, all the hours investing, we didn't have quite enough money to, to really spend it on a good design house and a good development house. So we kind of packed our way through it. And we definitely cost way more than if we had just spent the bigger bucks on getting some help to start. But we now have all of our app team is all in-house, all of our design teams in-house. And so I will say that we've, we continue to learn from our lessons. We have conversations and network and learn the hell out of whatever new area we have to go into. And now I feel really good about where we're at with apps, despite all of the mistakes we made. Mm. Yeah, I always say, you know, you want to, the failures or the struggles really do, as long as you're learning from them, they really do set you up for, you know, later, later success. Yeah. As long as you could ride that wave. <laughs> yes. As long as you, we did, we did um, sell teak furniture to front gate and it turned out that the quality control in Indonesia on it was so bad. So for a long time, it, it just ton are both pretty pushy on environmental issues. So burning teak furniture for firewood because there was really nothing else we could do with it was one of those like each piece. And, you know, I think we lost probably $300,000 on that for each one. Each order was 30,000. So yeah, about 10 of those orders, about $300,000 worth of, of wood. So every time we burnt the furniture in the, the big fire pit, we're like, well, this is a $10,000 log. (laughs) Everybody enjoy it. You feel the heat. Um, So yeah. How'd that feel? (laughs) Not awesome. Not awesome. (laughs) It felt better than putting it in a landfill, but not much better than that. Oh man. So today much of the business is focused around e-commerce. Yeah. Yeah. 
How was that transition? Like, so you go from obviously brick and mortar, big box stores, totally different selling cycle, totally different business model. What was it like when you first started to step into e-commerce? Obviously, totally. It's like a totally different business. It is. I will say that, again, part of being an entrepreneur is being willing to adapt and your ability to adapt. And so for us, the brick and mortar business was stuck at $2 million a year, which isn't a bad business per se, but it was it was going to stay there. It wasn't going to move. We weren't able to have enough sort of market education and, and be able to have an impact. And so it was something we really had to do. We engaged in different people that had done it really well and got to, we, we call it sort of boot camping. And we would basically spend two or three days following them around, asking questions, figuring out how they did it, how they ran their business, and then bring those lessons back. And we did that over and over again until our metrics made sense and we were asking the right questions and we were able to get real results. So now all of that is is in-house again. Awesome. I want to highlight a little bit about the product and how it's helping people today. So do you mind just talking a little bit about the technology, the product itself, how it works, how it helps people? Yeah. So this is this is definitely um, my social handle is Sleep Geek for a reason. So um, feel free to hold me back if I geek out too much on it. But temperature, it turns out, as I said, when we first came up with it, we thought it was about two different people wanting different temperatures. But Turns out temperature talks to your unconscious brain, um, the hypothalamus area, and the same place where your breathing and heart rate and all that's managed. And so the fun part about it is if you are able to sleep at the right temperature, you can actually get really great deep sleep. You can get really great REM sleep. You can you can kind of manipulate, which is kind of a tough word. Manipulate sounds like a mad scientist, but you can manipulate those sleep states and be able to optimize your sleep because the hard part about sleep versus diet or fitness, which require willpower because you're awake. Our product actually doesn't require willpower because you set it up and then you go to sleep, but you're asleep. So you can't really change your outcomes once you're asleep. And so this is what kind of allows you to change your outcomes. So it basically works like a radiator for your body. So just like you wouldn't want to run a high performance sports car. I like Ferrari. So like a Ferrari, we wouldn't want to do that without a uh, radiator. Same thing works for our human body. So at night, our core body temperature is trying to drop by two degrees and get us colder. And that's what we need to do to sleep because we evolved sleeping outside driven by the drop in temperature that happens at night. And it that drop is what basically triggers sleep. It's actually been called a sleep switch by Clifford Sapier out of Harvard. And so that sleep switch is what tells our body, hey, you need to release melatonin. You need to go to sleep. And if we don't do that, then it's really hard to get those sleep cycles and get all the sleep we need. And so our product is really sort of that no willpower sleep hack. That's kind of why the biohackers like it. Mm. I want to say it was your company, but I could be wrong. But Tim Ferriss uses your product. Yes. Yeah. He's one of the very first biohackers. It's been, I think in all of his books, he's talked about it on late night TV shows and podcasts. You know, Did you guys ever connect with him? Yes, actually, I think he just got a new new version. He gets new versions. He's a really interesting guy as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. He never wants to invest in anyone like us because he wants to be able to talk about us without any hesitancy or hypocrisy saying, well, I own a piece of the company. But we do have other biohackers that are invested in us. We also have Rick Rubin, the music producer, um, really neat guy, also very into 
sort of that biohacking space personally. So yeah, a lot of our users are very much into that optimized, quantified self. And when you are looking at being your best self, sleep is absolutely a catalyst and a magnifier of whatever you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm obviously not a sleep expert by any means, but I used to be more of the type of person that was like trying to wake up early and really making a conscious effort to get up early. No matter what time I go to sleep, I would get up early and try to start the day, like attack the day, woo, hustle. And I've completely shifted where I don't set an alarm anymore. And I really just focus on getting the sleep that my body is telling me I need. And since doing that, I've at least experienced like a tremendous impact uh, in terms of just quality of how I feel throughout the day. Yeah. So, you know, on our our website, we have a chronotype quiz, but you can find them all over the internet. The the science of chronotype was first discovered in the 1970s. So it's not groundbreaking by any means. They have determined which gene sort of governs that. So it's a genetic type thing, but it is something just like epigenetics that you can influence over the course of your life. If you take a chronotype quiz, it's going to tell you when your clock is set. So we all have this human body clock inside of us. And that that drives everything from our blood pressure levels, when we go to the bathroom, when we want to work out, when our cognitive self is the best, when our creative self is the best. But it also drives when we want to go to sleep and when we want to wake up. So I think just like you discovered for yourself, like we think our job, we think our lives drive us to be a certain way. If you understand intrinsically who you are as a person, especially in this COVID area, that's one of the silver linings of you know, making your own schedule, being able to adapt your sleep to what your body is really looking for. It's really empowering as far as just being able to optimize yourself. So outside of temperature control, understanding your chronotype, I think is one of the easy lifts you can do to say, oh, I'm actually supposed to go to bed at 10 o'clock, or I'm actually supposed to go to bed at midnight, and then figure out where you're supposed to wake up based on that sort of timing. Mm, that's interesting. So that's that's on your site? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to put that in uh, the show details so people can uh, check that out. I'm going to check that out after this. With the item, does it, it fits over the bed? How does it actually set up? Yeah, so it's a mattress pad that goes right underneath your sheet. And then there's a control unit that you can adjust the temperature for. We have two different products from a control unit perspective. One is the Chili Pad, which is our legacy one, which if you do follow Tim Ferriss, you'll say, oh, Chili Pad, that makes sense. It's more like a traditional thermostat where it has a remote and you set one temperature and it stays there. And then it changes the temperature when you change your remote. The Uller is the next evolution. And this is where we got into apps. It allows you to schedule. It's kind of like a smart thermostat. It's going to allow you to be able to manipulate that sleep way more. For me, I like to go to bed in a warm bed, but I actually need to sleep cool. So it allows me to have a a bedtime temperature, a middle of the night temperature, an early morning temperature, and then a wake up temperature. And then there's actually a wake up feature, which will warm you out of bed. So it's adjusting you throughout throughout the night. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's that's amazing. What about, I'm just curious, so a lot, I have like a fan right above my room and I'm one of those people who get, I get so hot at night that I'm like, I need to sleep with, I love sleeping with a blanket, but I need the room to be cold. I put on the fan and then I wake up groggy because the fan, I've read and I've heard that the fan, sleeping with the fan is not good for you. Don't know if it's true or not. It, sleep geek, help me out. Yeah. <laughs> so 
the fan, you know, is a passive cooling mechanism. So your skin temperature may feel a difference of up to two degrees if the fan's blowing right on you. But that movement of air can dry out your sinuses. And so if you have allergies or you end up getting sinus or headaches or migraines, the fan is not the best for you. Even though the circulation of air feels good, it may not be the best for you. For some people, it's, it's just fine. I'm a big believer in finding what works best for you. But again, that blanket and one of the other products we have is a weighted blanket because I love weighted blankets. But if you want to have that pressure on top of you to help you sleep, you do get a serotonin burst, which also helps facilitate that falling asleep with a weighted blanket. That temperature of your room isn't going to penetrate through those blankets to get to your body and help your core body. So if you think about your core body as your torso, your heart and lungs inside that torso, and it has to drop two degrees. So if you put a blanket on top of you, even if your room is at 60 to 68 degrees that you know, you've been advised online, it's not penetrating through that blanket to get to that core body temperature to help facilitate that cooling. And that's where we're kind of inside that sleep cave and we are able to mitigate that heat and be able to help manage that temperature inside that cave. And it allows you to still have whatever blanket you want to have on top of you and really be able to sleep the way you want to, not just what you have to do to try to get cool enough to sleep. Mm, yeah, I'm imagining getting into my cool my cool bed because normally I'm like, oh, it's boiling hot in here tonight. Uh, <laughs> going to have to check, check it out after... Uh, the podcast. Yes, definitely. So when you first develop the item, you got a prototype, you got a sample, I assume you sleep with it. In that experience, how soon after are you like, wow, we have something here? Was it immediate? Was it like upon sleeping the next night, you woke up rejuvenated and you're like, this is incredible. Take me, I'd love to hear a little bit about that. So Todd is is a hot sleeper. And so for him, the first time he slept on it, it was really cool. The scientists in me got really curious about when it was starting. To, this is before sleep trackers were easy. The only way to really track sleep in 2005 was with a polysomnograph, which is you know hooked up to a bunch of machines in a lab. So we weren't able to qualify it as far as sleep states, but he was able to fall asleep faster and stay asleep and, and just felt better. And then we continue to play with what that thermal range needed to be on how cold. And we continue to push that you know, that's where sort of the patents and the research continues to push us to how do we manage that thermal load and how cold we can make you in different states. And that's where some of the Uller programming comes in of understanding the difference between what you want to feel when you fall asleep versus what your body actually needs. There's a discrepancy there because we think about falling asleep. Unfortunately, it goes back to childhood and being tucked in and feeling warm and snuggly and that pressure. That's why those blankets feel really good because it's you tie that to all those childhood memories of, of being tucked in and that warm, snuggly feeling helps us fall asleep. But being warm and snuggly is not great for sleep. And so we have to find a way to, to mitigate that after we're asleep. And that's where the real science is, is once you're asleep, what we can do to make it the best we can. I love it all. You guys were just selected as one of the fastest growing companies in the U.S., What's next for you guys? What do you see for Chile in the next five, 10 years? Yeah, this is super fun. We have an amazing list of VIPs. I don't have permission to use all their names. I wish I could on a podcast, but we do have <laughs> the Memphis Grizzlies as well as eight other teams in the bubble right now in Orlando sleeping on it. Athletes from every major sport, including Olympic athletes, although there's no Olympics this year, all sleeping on it. And so 
the fun part is engaging with them on how to be that that one-stop shop, that source for what do we need to do to fix your sleep. And the app that is in development right now, the future state is how can we help your day and your night? And how do we make sure that you have that individualized personal sleep? And professional athletes is just a fun place to start because they have they're on the road, they're dealing with different sleep bedrooms and sleep spaces, they're dealing with different schedules and time changes. It's probably one of the most complex places to try to start, but um, that's what we're working with is to find a way to make them sleep really well, because then it'll be easy to help someone in one bed at home at night to sleep. <laughs> that that makes sense. Um, well, we could start to wrap up the show. You know, my podcast, Bits of Gold, is really about facing adversity and building your dream life. With that being said, what would be your bits of gold on how to build a life you love? I think it goes back to the journey and realizing the precious parts in every single day. So our family does something every day. We actually, the boys got it from a camp that we went to, but every day we ask each other what we're grateful for, what was the highlight of the day, and what was your daily good. And so I would say that if you're doing all of those things every day where you have something to talk about, you're headed towards that dream life. Mm, I love that. Where can people get a hold of you, find you, find more about your company um, if they want to connect after this? Yeah, so chilitechnology.com is where you can find all out about our products. I have a blog called Pillow Talk on there, so you can geek out more if you're one of those that wants to see more science. Um, you can see me on you know, Chili Sleep or the Sleep Geek on all the social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those kind of places. Amazing. Well, Tara, thanks so much for the time and appreciate, you know, you sharing so openly and honestly at the beginning of the show and just appreciate, you know, you sharing your your story today. Really inspiring. Love the business you're building and uh, I'm sure this episode's going to inspire many. Yeah, yeah. And I do have a book out on Amazon and a TEDx talk on YouTube. So if you you know want to go that route, you can do that as well. But thank you so much for having me. I think you're doing an amazing thing by um, serving up those bits of gold that people need to hear about. I appreciate that. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Bits of Gold. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I did. I really appreciated Tara opening up with her own journey through loss, uh, moving forward in her life, and building her incredible business. Once again, for those of you that are interested in their product, you can get 25% off the chili pad by using the code BOG25 and 15% off the Uller by using the code BOG15. I hope you all have an amazing, amazing week. Thanks so much for tuning in again. And make sure to please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Bits of gold is where it's at. Build your dream life, baby. Have an amazing week. I love your podcast. Bits of gold is where it's at. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.